I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside the Glass, Southern Arizona's original hockey podcast, part of the Five for Howling podcast channel. Alongside Carl Pavlik and Brandon Sparks, I am Rob Liano, here to talk to you guys about the NHL 2019-2020 season. We are only days away from the beginning of the season. How exciting is that, guys? It's really exciting. It is came up pretty quickly in my opinion like preseason was just getting going and now all of a sudden it's almost october especially long felt especially long for me given we missed the playoffs for another year but here we are here we are it's another season uh the season starts wednesday october 2nd there are four games on that that day uh two games will be on national television starting with the uh, Stanley Cup champions, St. Louis Blues, up against the previous champions, Washington Capitals, followed by the next national game, which will be the San Jose Sharks at the Vegas Golden Knights. Anyways, guys, as we're getting ready for this season to start, what are some of the uh, things you're most looking forward to, things you want to see out of this NHL season? So I'm really interested in the RFA crop from this year and how they're going to be playing. The It was a big off-season story. Um, just these players getting bigger deals. Uh, Clayton Keller was one of them, but Patrick Lane uh, just signed. And I really want to see how they're going to hold up to the pressure because all eyes are going to be on them, uh, especially like Mitch Marner, like sitting out as long as they did. You have to realize that that's also going to come with a greater scrutiny and i would think that most of the players should be able to bounce back and thrive under that environment but you never know until it actually gets started yeah i would say something similar especially in the last few days uh points seem to sort of start this off a lot of the big name rfa bridge deals um it's going to be interesting to see, even though they were for, for multi-years, um, just how well they're going to do in the first year of that. And if they almost price themselves out already, perhaps even this season. You guys think that... Uh, let's, let's put it this way. Do you think some of them were too low, some of them were too high? Or do you think, just think like all of them just decided to take too much money right up front here in this in this RFA class? I thought the point contract was great for the Lightning in the in the short term. It's going to bite them, but I'm surprised he didn't go for more personally. 
Yeah. I gotta I gotta check and see. Um, because obviously that's the uh, average annual value is pretty was uh, lower than we all anticipated. But you gotta think that there's gotta be some incentive in, for him to sign that kind of contract, right? Yeah, I I think there are quite a few players who looked at it and they signed a team friendly deal to make sure that the team can stay competitive, and that's very admirable. Uh, but I also don't think that any of these guys left too much money on the table, definitely more so than we would have seen in an RFA class years back where, you know, sign a crappy bridge deal, make a couple of million. Like these guys are making significantly more money uh, and setting them up, themselves up in a really good position. But, you know, there are definitely a couple where I'm like, yeah, you probably could have got more. You probably should get paid more. I think for Point in particular, it was just more important for him long-term to be on this team. Uh, Because if he has another... He's been a pretty consistent player, and if he has another good season and the Lightning make it deeper into the playoffs, he's only boosting his value, right? He knows he's going to be on a team that's going to get a shot again as long as they don't play Columbus. And so it makes sense for him to leave a little bit of money on the table for a short-term deal because as long as he keeps it up, he's going to make bank and wherever he signs next. All right. Well, I actually just brought it up on Braden Point's contract. And uh, so for how it, RFAs work is they they don't look at the average annual value of the contract going to the next RFA period. They look at the base salary of that final year, right? So Braden Point's base salary for his final year of this three-year contract is $9 million. So if there has to be a qualifying offer of at least that much amount. Yeah, he is definitely going to be making a lot of money once that deal expires, provided he keeps up that same play. Oh, yeah. Uh, $9 million is a really good starting point for Braden Point as well, um, especially as a, it, he's still going to be an RFA at the end of his deal, right? Yeah, he will be an RFA. Yeah. And by then, you know, the Lightning have been solid. He may have a cup ring, too, and that's going to only drive up his value. I mean, I would have signed him for $9 million a year now, right? If Marner's getting the money he is, I think Point's just as good a player. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. Oh, yeah, no, they're, they're right on top like with each other. Very interesting how two very good players have completely different contracts now. It's the, it's the kind of situation based off like an as-need basis for uh, for the teams. Like a team will say, all right, we can only afford to give you this much amount for now. More money will come later. And then, like, you know, we'll, we'll work it out. Because I guess because they're looking at, like, based off whatever players they're going to keep, who's going to be moving around eventually, a lot of things like that. Toronto's in an interesting situation, though. I'm not entirely sure how to break that down. They're like, they got a lot going for them. Yeah, to understand the Toronto cap, you need to have like five degrees in economics and capology, dark magic. No one knows how it works. You just got to use. Uh, you just got to be very familiar with the LTIR, and then maybe, maybe you got yeah. it. <laughs> I'm sure there are definitely people out there who understand how it works. I don't understand how it works. Uh, I just look at him like, that doesn't seem right. 
when we have our lockout in 20 years, we're going to point back to the Toronto Maple Leafs and be like, look what they were doing. Yeah, it would, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. It was like when the Wild signed um, Parisi and Suter, and you're like, nope, th- this is it. This is what's going to cause it. Other than the uh, cap, though, what are some other things? Like, let's say maybe, like, what's a player you want to look out for or a team you think that might shock the world and being good this year? My East team is Detroit. Really? I don't know if they'll necessarily make the playoffs, but I think they're going to do a lot better than people think, provided provided they get some goaltending. I think they might even past Montreal in the standings. Whether or not that's good enough for playoff spot is is beyond me, but they're my dark horse pick Jeez, for the East. Jimmy Howard? That could be right. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, wow. That's, that's probably not a good sign that they still have Jimmy Howard. Um, Detroit, I, I think they're going to be better, but they finished with 74 points last year. Even if they're a lot better. I don't necessarily see them competing, but I can see them taking a step forward. That'll be interesting to watch. Trying to look at some of the players that they have. Uh, I mean, it's a very old team. Their average age is 29.1. I would think as a team that was kind of working on a rebuild that they'd be younger. Yeah. Is that is that one of the oldest teams in the league? Twenty nine point one. That's the age of their defense. Oh, because their defense are old, like Mike Green, Erickson, Daly. Yeah, but I'm looking at uh, Cat Friendly, and that's the average age of the entire roster. Oof. Yeah. That's that is an interesting approach to a rebuild. Although they're pretty early and. Oh. Even L.A. has a younger average age. That's not good. You do not want to be older than L.A. That is... Something's gone seriously wrong. So what is, so what is, what is Detroit doing the rebuild? <laughs> Drafting players in the first round that most people hadn't heard of. Yeah. I mean, they did pick up Evgeny Svechnikov recently, so... And it wasn't too long ago that Boston drafted three players that not a lot of people had heard of. And look at them last year. True. It's possible that these hockey professionals actually know what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, GMs are pretty smart. Um, I mean, especially since Detroit, GM is now Steve Eiserman, And everyone knows Steve Eiserman can really turn things around. Look what he did in Tampa Bay. I, I think having him as the GM, though, may... Give a little too much optimism for some people, though. Uh, just, I don't expect it to be a quick turnaround. Like, oh, it will take a few years. Yeah. To, in my own opinion, but I mean, you look at the you look at Detroit's roster, and they've got six RFA's on forward, and then another RFA and three UFA's on defense. So, even if they don't do a lot this year. Eiserman's got a lot of wiggle room, which he never had in Tampa Bay because they were just so good. Uh, that he 
really could do a lot with this roster next summer. But even potentially this summer, if you wanted to offload some of those some of those veteran defensemen or pending RFAs. I could see them being a very interesting team to watch at the uh, trade deadline, especially if they're outside of it. If they're looking for a run, though, like, do they keep the the older guys or do they uh, stick to the rebuild? Like, let's say that the East really is a little bit weaker and they are able to go for a spot. You know, if, 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 you know, if I were in their situation, I'd sell some, like, sell some of the older guys that are, like, I guess, still bet, like, better talent and get younger guys. That's the, that's the big thing. Cause, like, you want to be able to start, if you're your rebuilding team, you have to start young and build them up, develop them to become good. I mean, look what a lot of these teams, a lot of the teams, they started off really young and, Look how that's worked out for them. It didn't at the beginning. Yeah, it kind of sucked for them, but they're they're getting there and they're getting a lot better. I mean, you got Dylan Larkin on that team, and dang, thirty-two goals, forty-one assists last year. I'd take that. That's a piece you could build off of. Yeah, he'll be like the anchor of the of the team. Is he? Even- Oh, they don't have a captain right now. They only have a single alternate captain. Uh, just one? That's kind of interesting. Yeah. The just now the captainship in the NHL is it's all arbitrary. It is. It's really arbitrary and I think people are starting to realize that and because we're in the moment, I don't think we're able to properly contextualize how very unlike the entire history of hockey it is now where there's just a bunch of teams without captains and the role of the captain is kind of it seems like it's going away a little bit i'll be really interesting to like actually put that in historical context in the next couple years i mean with some teams you know naming naming a captain can really make a big difference in, in terms of you know the actual leader of the team like i can tell you um as someone who still avidly follows the San Jose Sharks, uh, when Logan Couture was finally named captain for the upcoming year, you don't know how many people were excited for that. They were just like, yes, finally. I can't tell if people were excited for Oliver Ekman Larson being named captain or if they were disappointed sometimes. Because he got a lot of heat the past couple of years. From at least a few people um, that I spoke with. But, I mean, it's... People want the captain to be vocal. And I think that's... As fans, it doesn't really matter. It, or it shouldn't matter how vocal the captain is, right? Because we don't know what they're like in the in the locker room. But people seem to want... Well, the captain should be able to talk to the media and be vocal that way, too. Like, I know if it's... You know, the captain shouldn't be afraid to say, Yeah, you know what? We suck tonight. And we're gonna do, and we're gonna do whatever we can to do, to get better. If they're not afraid, if they're not afraid to say that, then I, you know, obviously that kind of tells you one thing already. I go by the classic rule book definition of the captain: got to have someone who can talk to the refs, and that's their function exactly. on yeah, the ice. Exactly. So vocal in all cases, yeah. You know, in the locker room, 
to the referees and to the media. So, anyways. Um, Speaking of captaincy vacancies, I'm sure we've all been fairly familiar with all the pandemonium now going on in Toronto. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is aye, aye, aye. not the way I would have expected the season to start for Toronto. Oh, that is... Talk about getting caught ah, with your pants down, nice. literally. Um, yeah, no, the, the Matthew situation is very unfortunate, both in that it happened, it shouldn't have happened, and that he didn't tell anyone about it, which to me is yeah. the strangest if, thing. Yeah, if he were like, if he were very responsible, he would have let the team know right away. It's like, hey, look, something bad happened. I got to be up front. Um, expect maybe something to happen in the next couple of months or whatever with any legal issues, but you know. I made a mistake and this happened. Um, obviously, it shouldn't have happened. He should have been smarter. And with uh, his uh, habits, but uh, I don't know. It's it's just a very sticky situation. Yeah. What is it with Canadian players getting in trouble in Arizona? I mean, for, now it's Matthews and before it was... Uh, the Senators Uber ride where they ripped the coach. Um, didn't... Well, Matthews, you know, obviously was just back home, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe Matthews was just, I mean, he only just recently, he just, so just this month he turned 22. So he's been, you know, obviously he had the entire season to worry about. So once he left the season, he's like, you know what? I'm 21 now. I can drink. Yeah. And it's definitely, I think fans maybe, or players may think of Arizona as like a place where they can kind of let loose a little. There's not the same media pressure that there is in a lot of other hockey cities. Uh, oh, yeah. If you did that in Toronto, that would, that news would have broke within two hours. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, yeah, that the delay of it all is, is very surprising, I think. Because if, if I was Matthews, A, I wouldn't have done it because I learned at a very young age not to involve drinking and messing with security officers. That just yep. doesn't go well. <laughs> um, but I would have at least told like my representative, like, that's what your agent's for. Be like, hey, this, this is happening. What do you want me to do about it? And then he would have said, you should tell your GM about this. Uh, because they are going to find out eventually. Yep, that's um, that's what that that's the kind of situation. Probably what how I would have handled it. I would have been upfront about it because obviously it's hard to say. Like yeah, like we can like all of us can say yeah. Obviously we want to be upfront about it, but at the same time, like how often like like how often can we really say that like we're we're in that situation and like. We really know that that's going to be the case when it, if it actually happens. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can never say that. I have never had that level of responsibility and public attention to to make that kind of decision 
knowing that it's gonna happen eventually like it people are gonna find out i gotta believe that he knew that but you know if you say it yourself then it's kind of you're putting yourself on blast almost at that point the thing to do is just not do things like that um yeah yeah or have patrick kane's lawyer on on call yeah speaking of off-season partying oh yeah next year austin's mom is going to be staying with him like kane's mom did in switzerland uh apparently that helped so yeah that's how that's how i can see that happening that should be fun (laughs) that's uh that's the new leafs reality show austin and his mom uh it's gonna be a great ratings do more of those so anyways what we're going to do is uh we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we will give more divisional previews and just more nhl league previews as we get ready for the upcoming season you're listening to inside the glass It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, and we're back. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Inside the Glass. Alongside Carl Pavlik and Brandon Sparks. We're here talking about the NHL season upcoming. Um, let's do divisional previews, guys. Uh, there's a lot to go through through here, and we want to make it have as much time as we can to look at these divisions. Uh, let's go ahead and start in the Eastern Conference with the Atlantic Division. Maybe let's let's probably say you know maybe who your top four teams and maybe give some kind of reasoning, uh, some some background where you think this this is gonna go. Um, let's start with uh, Carl. How is your Atlantic Division look? I mean, top three teams I think are a lock: Tampa, Boston, Toronto. I feel like they're definitely gonna make it in. The fourth one, a little bit less sure about. I think florida may come in they got Pabrowski, yeah. uh they got a new coach i could see them taking a big step next season whether or not that's a true step or not just kind of playing up you know trying to go starting on a good foot remains to be seen but i could see them sneaking into the playoffs next year brandon Yeah, I that sort of stole my thunder too. Um, I would probably go with the same. Uh, Florida is a team that's really chronically underperformed for the personnel that they've they've had out on the ice, um, and I think as a result, they're pretty underrated. Uh, a lot of players admit that Alexander Barkov is is quite underrated. And I think now with uh, 
slightly younger, healthier goalie and a new coach, uh, we'll really start to see, you know, the players actually come through. I mean, they had three, almost four 30 goal scorers last year and still missed the playoffs. Right. Yeah. No, you were definitely on um, that. Plus, we can get some of that Florida Tampa Bay rivalry going. I feel like that oh, could that'd be, be fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited for for Florida up this upcoming year. Um, I definitely think that they will be right on that verge of that playoff spot, that fourth, like you know, that around that fourth place in the Atlantic Division, right outside where you guys are saying, you know, the same top three with Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Boston. It's kind of a given that that's going to be the case for the next, you know, three, four, maybe five years. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Florida's going to be right up there, though. Um, especially, and again, as you're saying, a new coach, especially, and you say new coach, it's not just any new coach, it's Coach Q. Joel Quenville, one of the the winningest active coach in NHL history, like, or not NHL history, just winningest active coach in the NHL. And, you know, he's obviously proved himself to be a good coach at what he did with uh, Chicago the previous years. And, Getting Sergei Wierbrowski locked up for a good seven years or so is going to be huge for them, and I, I, I can really see Florida making a good push this year. Yeah, I mean, if you got goaltending and you can score half the at a halfway decent pace, then that's a lot of it, and you can definitely say that for Florida now. Yeah. So, I think the Bobrovsky contract, which is going to really really suck in a few years is an indication that they're highly, highly anticipating making the playoffs this year and in the next few years before he starts to decline and that kind of becomes a bit of a millstone around their neck. And as far as Florida goes, you know, they just missed the playoffs. Well, that's maybe that's being a bit generous, but They've been underperforming, whereas Montreal was next up on the chart after them. And to me, they and and Max Domi really overperformed. Um, I think they're going to regress back to their norm. And they'll still beat Buffalo and Ottawa and maybe be a bit jostling with Detroit. But I don't see them as a legitimate top four Atlantic or potential right. playoff team. So, I'm, I'm, all right, no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I'm I'm really interested to see if Max Domi regresses a bit. I I could very easily see him keeping at this pace that he set last season. In which case, I have to examine like why he wasn't that successful with the Coyotes. Uh, but it'll be interesting to to see. I, I think with Montreal, you got Carey Price in there. So you're never going to be able to count them out. Like it's the same with Florida. If you got goaltending and so, like some halfway decent scoring, I'd say Montreal is definitely in that camp too. Yeah, Montreal has always been, you know, on the verge. A lot of people are still upset that Montreal all theoretically finished 16th in the league but missed the playoffs. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, so-called controversy with that, but you know, that's not going to go too much into that. But I would say let's let's uh, 
try to see if we can find a consensus uh, top four, maybe in order, if you want. I know, like for me, Tampa Bay one, Toronto two, Boston three, Florida four. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Because last nice season... Got my vote. All four make the playoffs. It's going to be a split four-team playoff for the Atlantic... Or for, yeah, for the Atlantic and Metro and the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Uh, looks like last year the Metro was well represented in the in the playoffs with the wild card spot, so I can see... Uh... It was a uh, five-team representation I could see uh, the Atlantic taking one of those spots back yeah let's let's talk about the Metropolitan then in a little bit um, how do you guys think this one's going to go because the Metropolitan is going to be a, a bit different because teams are getting some team some of the better teams are getting older and and regressing a lot um, some of the younger teams are getting better. Some of the teams, are, other teams, are just jumbled, getting losing players. Where do you guys have this division going? Well, with Columbus's big off-season additions, they're definitely taking number one. Uh, so let's just all agree on that and move on. Um, I think it'll be interesting because there's no real powerhouse in this conference. Um, I mean, the Islanders almost carried it, but they just lost Robin Lehner. Although Grice did a good job as semi-backup, semi-starter. But I guess, you know, I think, I still think they're probably the the best team in the Metro. So I think they might take it and then Washington second and after that, it'll be a battle between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Yeah, the Metro, like just looking at it, I have no idea what to think about it. I could see the Islanders staying the, one of the top teams. I could also see them starting to slip a little bit. I mean, we talked about how Florida came in with a you know, hot goaltender and hot coach, and that could be like a one-season aberration before they get back to where they truly are. I think the Islanders are very possibly that. Like, they overperformed their first year with Trots. Uh, we had a great goaltending story. And I don't know if there's some flaws in their system that we just aren't seeing because those are two big blind spots. And on the other hand, you look at a team like the Rangers or the Devils. They both finished near the bottom, but they had killer off seasons. Like, does New did New Jersey do enough to compete for a playoff spot? I don't know. Uh, are they going to be more interesting to watch than probably ever in New Jersey history this year? Probably. PK did the Rangers? Yeah, you add PK Subban. You add a top pick like. They get um, who's the they got? Jack Hughes, Nikita Gusev, Wayne Nikita Simmons. Gusev. Like that's a huge offseason. Wayne Simmons, I like New Jersey. Good, I feel like this could be a good New Jersey team. I actually have New Jersey as one of my top, um, top four teams. Are they this year's Carolina? Could be, but yeah, just, I just 
Or is Carolina going to be this year's Carolina? This year's Carolina. Carolina. I, I wouldn't. So yeah, Carolina wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me if they stay good because yeah. they were interesting to watch. And um, I mean, did they lose anybody of it? Really? No. No. Justin Williams is taking a right. on a that's break a pre- from that's hockey. A, that's a pretty big loss. Getting Mr. Game Seven gone. Yeah. But. Like their their success was done through their system, right? It wasn't on the back of, well, minus someone like Sebastian Ajo. They're not a team that's that's carried by a real, you know, a pure skill team. They won because they were great four checkers. Um, you know, they played the kind of game that I think the Coyotes wanted to play, right. and at some points did play. But they could they did it consistently every night. So as long as the coach doesn't lose the players i could still see them maybe not reaching the same heights that they did last season but i think that they could probably stay in stay in the picture for sure yeah they'll be like right on that right on that edge probably um that's gonna be an interesting one so yeah it's gonna be really interesting i don't know i don't know what to think of the flyers they've kind of took a lot of hits this offseason uh i kind of feel bad for them in a lot of ways Eh, it's kind of used to it with the Flyers. I feel like they, you can feel kind of bad for them for the past couple of years. But, yeah, they may be probably near the bottom of that division just by the Especially fact that... Nolan Patrick isn't ready for the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's, that's a real rough go. The Coyotes dealt with a lot of injuries last season, so I have sympathy for Philadelphia having to deal with them right off the bat because I know... That's a it's a bad way to start. So, how how would you guys order that um, metropolitan? It's it's a little more difficult for me. I'm trying to th- I'm I'm still trying to try piece it together. If you asked me right now, I would probably do I do Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, New Jersey. Carolina. If you ask me in a week, I will probably change that order. Okay, fair enough. Brandon. Yeah, I I mean, I would potentially throw Philadelphia into the mix with Carolina and New Jersey for that final spot. Um, I think New Jersey's big question mark is going to be goaltending because uh, they haven't had a ton of luck there in the last few seasons. I think that's really been what sunk them. Philadelphia's got some question marks on D. I think Carolina of the three is probably the more well-rounded team, but Philadelphia's got a lot more firepower. So right. in terms of the top four, I think it'll probably be about the similar order to last season, which was Washington Islanders, Pittsburgh, Carolina. I'm not sold on the Rangers. I, mean, I know a lot of people are saying that they're just done the rebuild because they got Panarin and a good, you know, did fairly well at the draft, but I'm just not seeing it. I mean, Lundqvist took a step back last season. They got nothing. It's hard to tell exactly what Papo is going to do. To really help out there. Yeah. 
And I mean, he might be a great player, but he can't carry that team. And with talks that they want to move Kreider for some reason, right? You know, if they lose Chris Kreider, who do they have on four that's actually that good? They got Panarin, Zibanejad. The rest are mediocre, and on the back end, they're. You know they got Coyotes cast off D'Angelo. I mean they did get Truba, but yeah, I, I I'm with you. I it's a young blue line, and they're not. Yeah, I'm not too sold on this. All that great. Um, I do think that that you know that top four would pretty much be um, Capitals, Islanders, uh, Penguins, Carolina, or New Jersey. Um, Penguins are interesting though, and in a way where. Like, I think they're still going to make the playoffs, as obviously what I said, but, like, they're going to, like, they're slowly going to be regressing because there's only so much that they can do. Matt Murray hasn't been, you know, Matt Murray of the, of, like, you know, that playoff run because he didn't, he doesn't have a a backup, like, or he, he's not, doesn't have a tandem, like, uh, when he had Flurry next to by his side anymore. Obviously, that's several years removed. And, uh, Obviously, as as good as many people say Sidney Crosby is, you know, he's getting older. It's not going to – and uh, he can't beat time. Yeah. Some of the best players in hockey are with Pittsburgh, but there are also some of the older best players in hockey. So I could see them – Kenny Malkin is 33. Sidney Crosby is 32. Uh, Patrick Hornquist is 32. I could see them taking a step back, but I – don't still think it's playoffs, gonna, yeah yeah I think they're still gonna make it they're gonna be starting to regress but they're they're still gonna be the playoff team for our next couple seasons well and then we got news the other day that Jim Rutherford wants to trade well make a number of trades uh, to give them some cap room and mention trading one of their goalies which I mean, they're talking about maybe trading Casey DeSmith, who did a pretty solid job as a backup last season, and he's signed for three more years at just one point two million. I don't know why they would take that risk, especially where Murray, as Rob pointed out, he really needs a a, a, a tandem goaltender with him to really give him some confidence and let him, you know, give him a break when he's struggling, but let him take it back and he had that in flurry and i think each of them brought out the best in each other but now i mean he's only 25 but you know it's sort of like the coyotes you wouldn't trade kemper because ronta keeps getting injured it's the same if you a similar scenario so then there's talk of moving bukestad or brian rust but they're even though they're 27, there's still some of your younger forwards. Yeah. If you had told me years ago that Fleury and Murray, who is going to be more important to the team, I, I would have guessed Murray all day. But it looks like I mean, what Fleury's doing in Vegas, that's... Fleury is one of the, one of the top five goaltenders in the league right now. Like, yeah. look what he's doing. They may have, they may have let the, the wrong goalie go uh, in the expansion draft. Which I cannot imagine having to make that decision. 
that sounds incredibly I mean, tough to I think their decision was also kind of based off age. Like they're considering like, all right, how much more does Flurry really have in him? Obviously they were wrong when thinking that, but still he's been amazing. But not only did they lose him for nothing, they actually gave up something for the Vegas for Vegas to take him. So it's it's almost a double loss. I don't remember what exactly they gave up. But yeah, expansion draft was, was was some strange stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's second round pick in wow, next second year's draft. Pick. That's yeah. so. I mean, and also, what a great. I mean, that's up there with with getting William Carlson in terms of Vegas's. Best moves. Marshall was a bit, yeah. I think or Marshall, so I guess their uh, their best expansion draft pick. Vegas had a great expansion draft, hence them being one of the best teams in the league now. I think you don't get that if they didn't have the opportunity to be successful. Unlike most expansion teams in the history of the league, with like, eh, it just exists. I, I think the NHL went out of the way to be like, no, be good. We're going to make sure that you're good this year. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see if Seattle can replicate that in the coming years. I mean, it's going to be the same same expansion rules, so I wouldn't see why not. But teams are going to be smarter about it, I think. Cause I th- oh, yeah, they will be. GMs, yeah. GMs are going to get so much smarter. Uh, it's been a, a long enough time. I don't think anyone really remembered how to properly protect your players in an expansion draft. But Who knows? You know. Speaking of that, anyone remember what Columbus gave up no. for Vegas to take William Carlson? So somehow they're Garmo Kakalainen, you know, despite doing this and then following up with a season where he sold everything to make a playoff push and couldn't keep anyone and still has a job. He gave up also a first and second round pick if they would also take David Clarkson's contract. So he lost a 50-goal score, a first and a second-round pick, just to get out of the Clarkson contract. I, I don't know what teams were thinking when it came to the like, expansion draft. There's just so much insanity in that. Anyways, uh, since we're pretty much done talking about the Metro, let's move to the Central. This is an interesting division, too. Yeah, the Central, I was going to say, is definitely the division where... Other than the Metro, I have no idea what's going to be going on with this one. There's a lot of different ways you can uh, slice it. I can tell you teams that are going to be good. I can tell you Colorado is going to be good. I can tell you Dallas is going to be good. St. Louis is probably going to regress a little bit. They're, they're still probably going to make the playoffs. And heck, you know, Chicago is kind of—they're going to start climbing back up. They're—I mean, I'm not sure how how exactly good they're going to be, but they're going to start climbing back up. Winnipeg obviously is always somehow in the mix, so it's going to be like a weird, weird year for the Central Division. I could see Winnipeg start to go down a little bit, stay in the playoffs. Colorado definitely goes up. Chicago goes up, but I don't think it's going to be enough for them to make it. Uh, 
Minnesota, who knows? It's interesting that for a long time, Minnesota was fight. They finished last in the central yet. They were finished. They're fighting for one of the last playoff spots in the West for right up until the final two weeks of the season. I mean, that tells you just how tight that division is, but I think Winnipeg might be sitting in the basement this year. They're, I don't think we've ever seen a in the modern era a playoff window close that abruptly with losing basically half their defense. And that was before Bufflin decided yeah, he may the, retire. The Bufflin decision seems to have been very... I don't know if I want to say unplanned for, but it seems like that. Uh, I don't think anyone was expecting to write off how much, however much he can get as as best without really thinking about it. And that was, and that's, I think their biggest issue and why they're in this bad situation. And it, it strikes me almost as, I don't know, like maybe arrogance or just not checking in with your players enough because I, I can't imagine Bufflin came to this decision very easily. Uh, this has got to be something that he's been like weighing on his head for a while, especially for most, like for the most part. If there's a player who's kind of going through some mental stuff, like like Bufflin is, and uh, chances are it's they've been really thinking over it for a long time, um, and you can and you can tell. So for Winnipeg to be almost oblivious to it, I mean, it's what it seems like on our end. That's an issue. Yeah. I would definitely agree. Uh, unless he's just not being upfront with them about it and they didn't see the signs or didn't want to see the signs that he was considering this. Because I got to imagine, like, you have an exit interview with your guys every year. Like, you should be getting, like, a pulse on where they're at mentally. And, you know, I, I, a tough loss in the playoffs can definitely put you in that. But I don't know. I like to believe that they should have seen the signs more so as like a, you know, like if I ever seemed like I was going to retire would the people around me see the signs that I'm walking away from millions of dollars. Like, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, I mean, yeah, it does seem like it was sudden, um, at least from us and the jets hearing about it. And you'd think if they had any indication, they wouldn't have let, they wouldn't have traded Truba. They wouldn't have let Myers walk, and they wouldn't have let Ben Sherratt walk because that was, aside from Josh Morrissey, I mean, those were their top five defensemen, and now they're out. Several of them, um, but Buffalo is also thirty-four with one year left on his contract. So, even if they thought he was coming back this season. He's getting older. Why did you let so many defensemen walk? When you, especially when you don't, you didn't even seem to pursue anyone. Unless they in free agency couldn't, like they couldn't keep him from walking. They couldn't get anyone to come. I mean, we we've all heard stories throughout its history. Jets point two that players don't want to play in Winnipeg. 
and I'm wondering how it's super small market. There's not much to do in Winnipeg. Yeah. Plus, it's really cold, and yeah. I'm sure Canadians are more used to it than I am, I, having lived in Arizona for the past 19 years. <laughs> yeah. But the all of the stories this offseason, like if you put them together, it's like, what's going on in Winnipeg? Nobody seems happy, despite the fact that we were naming them a perennial cup challenger. Everyone seems like they're like got problems with the organization. And you don't really see those two like things in the same sentence. Yeah, so many issues going on with them. Uh, like, obviously, like I have them on the fringe. Like, based off, from a playoff spot, like they can finish fourth or fifth or sixth around that area. But uh, it's gonna be tough for them because I think the division is slowly getting better on around them. Again, I think Dallas is gonna be contending for that top spot based off their pickups. Um, Especially, um, let me see, um, Joe Pavelski, and they also got Corey Perry. That's right. Corey it's gonna, Perry. It's going to be a good team. Not to mention their defense is still one of the best, uh, one of the best in the league. Um, so, I, on it, I honestly think Dallas is going to win the Central Division. Um, they're, they, I think they just have the most rounded out uh, talent and just overall the better team what do you guys think i'm i'm still gonna go with nashville winning again this year um we didn't talk about them which i think is to their credit they didn't have that same kind of upheaval in the offseason uh other than losing or trading pk suban i mean they picked up matt duchene for offense but yeah i i can definitely see them being the quiet team that just does the work and it'll be floating yeah. there yeah yeah does st louis actually make the playoffs i i, I agree with carl i think nashville will lead the west the the central and i think dallas will be up there with them yeah winnipeg is very likely regressing. i think winnipeg's done uh, St. Louis is an interesting situation. Um, and if, if Rantanen holds out, I think Colorado drops to maybe fourth in the central if he signs before the season. I mean, they still, I mean, I think what I'd helps say they're probably in there for third. They still got, you know, the other two of that line, um, McKinnon and Landeskog. Um, let's see. They still have, they but it's a pretty, pretty one-dimensional for most part. I mean, forward yeah. team. They picked up Jonas. Oh yeah, that's right. They picked up Jonas Donskoy the offseason. I I think St. Louis still stays in, and and this is why we always talk about the cup hangover, and there is no other team that could prepare to have a cup hangover without actually winning the cup than St. Louis last year. See, my concern with St. Louis is how good exactly is Jordan Bennington? Because, yeah, he was fantastic for, like, five months. And obviously, you know, know, that's no fluke at all. But it happens to the best, even the best of the best 
goaltenders, young goaltenders in the league, they regress for a couple years. Um, you know, it happened to, you know, you know, Matt Murray's regressing and it happened to, um, um, why am I playing on his name? Uh, Antti Niemi, and you know, after his Stanley Cup year, and he went to San Jose, he just regressed a lot. And you know, obviously, look, look where he's at now, nowhere. Uh, and it's, I'm really cautious about exactly how Jordan Bennington's going to be because he has, because obviously he has Jake Allen to be his tandem right behind him. But what, you know, what's, what's to say that he's not going to fall off? Sure, I could see that, but what's to say that he's just not a perfect fit for that system like it could be that he may not be as good as his play would suggest but he may have just found his his way into the perfect nhl system that will allow him to thrive i don't know i would say that everyone should be concerned about uh bennington maybe not st louis fans i imagine they're still just having a good time but but yeah it's a legitimate concern I still think they're better poised than the Avalanche, who I don't know how much they trust Grubauer, and then their backup is basically a a nobody. And yeah, they're going to have Kale McCarr coming up on defense, but they lost Tyson Berry in what I think was a terrible trade. And aside from their top line, I mean... You know, you've got a second line of JT Comfer and Junis Donskoy and probably Burakovsky. Yeah, I like Because I'm assuming they want Kadri to, to be on the third. Uh, that's that's not very good. I mean, I think even the Coyotes have probably a better second line than that. Um, yeah, I think they're just... They're too one-dimensional a team. If they get Rontanen... They can probably ride that top line, but otherwise I could see them getting passed by How many teams do you see making St. Louis and You think it's gonna be three or gonna be four? Hmm. Four or five. I think it I think it's it's four. Um because I want to believe that the Coyotes can make it in in the Pacific. I mean, you can say three but, too, but um, no, the Coyotes don't make it. But yeah, I don't think that there's another team in the Pacific that's close. I don't think Vancouver is going to come in or Edmonton. So it, it's got to be four. I think the Central is still too well balanced to not have at least four teams make it in. So let's say the four teams being. Uh, Nashville, Dallas, Colorado, and St. Louis. I'm gonna I'm gonna go see yeah. or four teams that made it last year: Nashville, Dallas, St. Louis, Winnipeg. Winnipeg drops but stays in the picture still. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. All right. All right. So our first disagreement. Finally, with the Pacific Division, which is the division of five for Howlings, or everyone here is Arizona Coyotes. Um, so let's get right to it. This is going to be a fun division. Yep. I, I think it's clear LA is going to win it all. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, because as, as they say, age is king, right? Yeah. It's always the most experienced team that wins the Stanley Cup. We all exactly. know this. They have the rings. They have the the heart. Uh, they're going to dig deep. Uh, all of the cliches. In all, um, serious, in all seriousness, no. We can we can already I would say we we'll already rule out uh, two teams that are not going to make it, and that's and that's LA and Anaheim. Like they're just going to play. <laughs> Dowdy and Martinez all game. That's 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 going to be their entire blue line. They're just going to play all to 60 see minutes. That. Like an old school hockey, play all 60 minutes. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Um, I would agree with you, though. LA and Anaheim, they're not going to make it in. I think Anaheim is another – it's another interesting team to watch, and I think they're going to be interesting a couple of years from now because I think Dallas – you can – a good coach, especially oh, for younger coach. players. I got a chance to see him coach the San Diego goals when they come to Tucson. And I'm like, this guy, you know, this guy can coach this team because San Diego is a good team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's because he was in Edmonton and Edmonton's cursed. I don't know why anyone plays there or yeah. goes there, but, but yeah, I, I could see them being interesting a couple of years from now. Not, not now though. And Edmonton, I have no clue. Like, they should be good every year, but they're not because of just a variety of reasons. Can Tippett be the one to turn that around? Maybe. I would say he's probably their best chance of I think the coaches they've had in the past You can really years. switch between how Edmonton and, and Vancouver is going to be at that, you know, that uh, fifth and sixth spot in the division. But obviously neither of them are going to make the playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. It's those top four teams, the uh, the Flames, the Golden Knights, the Sharks, and the Coyotes. I I'm kind of interested to see how the the Flames do. They're not going. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the division. Really? Um, uh, they were a great team last year. Don't get me wrong, and I think um, they're gonna be. They're still going to be great. I just for some reason I've got this. Feeling me, they're not going to win the division. They're going to be like two or you know two or three, um, with either San Jose or Vegas winning the division. Yeah, I, they had a plus sixty-two goal differential last season. That is impressive. Um, so I find it hard to think that they're not going to be at least second. Everyone's talking about Vegas and having a, a full year of stone, which I can see that definitely being the a benefit for them. tandem is David Riddick and Cam Talbot. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. And they... Yeah. But true, but he also... Riddick's been pretty good last season, though. 
he also I got had a smoked tandem, in my hockey right? pool at the end of the season because my he also had a decent tandem. Friend picked him up and rode him for a I few. Who was back behind him? Sorry, Mike Smith. Yeah, Mike Smith was great. Mike Smith. Oh, yeah. Now he's Edmonton. Yeah, but now he's gone to move. Edmonton. It's funny how there's boys. like Cam Talbot is now in Calgary, and Mike Smith is now in Edmonton. But that's not the only Calgary Edmonton move of the off season. Also a one for one, Milan Lucic and James Neal. I will give the Oilers a lot of credit. That's probably the best move they've made in aside from aside from their obvious draft choices. Uh the fact they were able to move Milan Lucic in his contract for a guy who had a down year is I think when very impressive. Milan Lucic signed most people were like, This is a bad idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> like why are you giving this guy this much term, this much money? It, it doesn't seem especially like, like especially not only that is when they have they also had to pay um, Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle and McDavid, who would take already take up most of the <laughs> most of the money anyways. Yeah, it it is definitely you you gotta give Edmonton all of the credit in the world for pulling off that trade. I don't know what Calgary was thinking in taking on that contract. It's going to be interesting though. I um trying to see. But yeah, I mean, I do think the Flames are going to finish probably second. Um they're going to be still be top. It's the question I probably have to give Vegas the yeah. one because they're still going to be a really good team. Yeah. It, I think Calgary is going to be interesting because they, you know, you look and say they lost James Neal and they got Milan Lucic, but James Neal did nothing for them last season. So it's not, True. they didn't really lose them because they never had him. So even if Lucic does enough to stay on the roster, they may have actually Plus still got gotten Tobias slightly Reader. better. Looks like he's going to be signing a deal with them. Uh Deciding, uh, yeah, another player that played in Edmonton last year going to Calgary. It's very strange that this happened. And I mean, is anyone aside from Lucic on Calgary over six feet tall? Like, they, I guess they do need someone who, yeah. you know, is taller I than guess, the crossbar. Uh, I never am too much of a fan of that uh, that logic to bring in the bigger guy, but I, I think they. I don't know. I, I still think Calgary is going to be a good team, especially because it's the Pacific Division. They're going to be able to just get points off of the bottom three, whoever the bottom three end up being. I think that's the main reason why we saw both Calgary and San Jose outpace the Central Division was simply the Central Division's much more well-rounded. Their weakest team is was Minnesota, and and they were still in a playoff hunt for quite a while, even when they were yeah. selling. Whereas Pacific, yeah, or bottom heavy, I guess if you want to think about LA and Edmonton being a basement teams, and 
it's, Anaheim. It's like an hourglass. Not there's being that great two either. Two teams at the there's a no three good teams at the top. You got just slight middle teams, but then just a really big base too of the bottom. Yep. And I think L.A. is going to be just ah, uh, it's going to be a feeding frenzy against them this year, which I would say is going to be the same effect in the Atlantic with the Ottawa like. Tampa Bay is going to be like, pretty much. they may get more points because they get to play Ottawa so many times. So we're, so we're all in agreement on the four teams that make the playoffs. Um, what's your guys order? I'm going to say golden Knights win the division followed by the flames. Sharks will win. Sharks will finish third. Coyotes finish fourth and make the playoffs. I'm I'm gonna switch the the Knights and the Flames. I think the Flames stay on top. I think Vegas gives them a really good run. Like I could see them it being neck and neck for the division, but I I think Calgary's gonna come out with this one. Yeah, I think Calgary's. Well, I think Calgary's a better team than San Jose. I'm actually not. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm not sold on on San Jose. They've got a pretty solid defense, but I've never been I an mean, Evander you know, Kane fan. I had over five guys. Think he disappears and the time gets tough. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how they're going to hold up. I think Logan Couture is a great franchise center, but. I mean, I had them. I third. see them being good enough for third. I've basically switched them with Vegas from last year, so Calgary, Vegas, San Jose, and then I think, I think Arizona is is fourth. I don't think Vancouver is good enough to come and take that from them. I think they're probably going to be the only real consistent challenge for the fourth spot for the Coyotes, but. You know, and they've got Elias Patterson, but after that, I don't. You know, Bohovat's not a bad player either, but I don't know how much I trust guys like Markstrom. He's been good as of late, and they did pick up Tyler Myers, who, depending on who you ask, is a great defenseman or a terrible one. Uh,. But they're they're to me they're they're still a year or two I'll, away. I'll say from this for being for San Jose. Do, relevant. What is going to be going on in that? Do you do you guys think that the goaltending will be enough for them? Yeah, that's the issue. That's the biggest issue for them, and that's why I have them at third. Because you know I, I don't think they have any issue on defense, or even even you know with their forwards. Again, they have got multiple multiple guys that can score 20, 30 goals in the season. That's not an issue. Um, it's that goaltending. Whether or not Martin Jones is going to be the Martin Jones that I saw in the first round of the playoffs or the second half of the first round of the playoffs this last year, or is it going to be the Martin Jones I saw all season long? Uh, I don't know. Because um, he's an 896 save percentage. Yikes. Yeah, that's brutal. Uh, he's got to really improve. So... Mm-hmm. We'll see how that one goes, um, but 
it seems that we're pretty much um, in agreement on who the top four are. It's the order that's slightly different for each of us. Um, before we wrap things up, or as we wrap things up, why don't we go go ahead and pick our uh, favorite for the conference, like the one one team favorite for the conference, and then we'll wrap it up. Eastern Conference, go ahead. I think you gotta stick with Tampa Bay. Uh, not even a question. Yeah, I don't think there's much much way around it. Um, yeah. By existing, they make this very unexciting. Both by just being more exciting so good. and more boring because we're gonna get to see one of the best teams in league history again, probably. But we know that it's no contest for the regular season. Yeah. But also think about the fact that for the Florida Panthers. If they can actually be good this season, how big is that for hockey in Southern oh, gotta, in, in Florida yeah. to have two good teams? Uh, you know, like when's the last time both of those teams have actually been relevant? No. Uh, have no, they ever had a it, window where they feeling I can, were both good? I can say I don't remember a time when both the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning were relevant at the same time. I don't remember the Florida Panthers being relevant very much at all. Except for, I think, maybe their first season with Luongo. They were kind of the talk. Yeah. Likewise, though, um, kind of like a a very short off topic, just kind of want to mention. Imagine this, though. In the playoffs, the Golden Knights and the Coyotes. That'd be good for the Desert Southwest, yeah. wouldn't it? Uh, I don't... Absolutely. I and then we'll be pulled into a different I division and then we'll lose that rivalry. In the but playoffs just because we do for not the time play being. well against the Golden Knights. And I could see that being a very quick elimination for us if we meet them in the first round. I, we will see if yeah. that's the case. So it seems we're uh, we're in agreement on the Eastern Conference. Uh Tampa Bay easily. Western Conference. What do you guys say? That's that's harder. Uh, Who wins the West? Uh, I'm going to go Nashville. Um, It's not the right call, I would say. Um, It's not the the sexy choice, but what I said before, I think they're, they're good. The reason we didn't talk about them is because they were good. They stayed good. And I think they're going to be good again this year. I think they keep in the central and I think that they're able to, you know, be better than the best team in the Pacific. And what do you say, Brandon? I'm, I'm also trying to guess whether Nashville will trade Kyle Turris and if they possibly can and if they could get a serviceable serviceable player that could help them. If they trade Kyle Turris and it's not a huge ripoff, I say Nashville takes. I would agree and say Nashville takes 
the West, if not Kyle Torres coming to Arizona, it's going to be between year. Calgary and Make Vegas. The fans had to explode. And as I in Norman, as I said, I had Dallas winning the oh. Central myself, so I'm going to have Dallas winning the West Ooh. on the, the regular season. Yeah, I know it is. It is a bold take Ooh. for me. I do think they're going to win the West in the regular Hot take. season. Uh, playoffs will be different, though. Um, for those who know me, I make the same playoff pick for the West every year until it actually happens, and everyone knows what that is. <laughs> My biggest concern with Dallas is that they kind of remind me a little bit of the Oilers in that they're so good on paper – and yet they never seem to make it. And I, I don't follow Dallas well enough to know what their issues are. Yeah. But Same. I, just, I, I don't Did they do anything to address Dallas those issues this year? If they've taken the steps that they need to, to go for it. Like last year. Because it used to be goaltending, and now they've got Ben Bishop. They have no problem in defense. So John Klingberg, uh, Miro Haskinen. See who else they got. Uh, they had less goals than we did last year. That Haskinen's is dynamite. Impressively bad. Well, yeah, Tyler Sagan and, and Jamie Ben. I know they had an off year for some, some reason. It was really weird. Everyone thought like they're like, "What the hell? These guys are superstars." That I don't, and I think. It's going to be different because now they got a uh, a world class uh, deflection master in Joe Pavelski on their team, uh, and it's going to be. Is that just your shark bias coming through? <laughs> You're like, it's they have. Have you seen the way he deflects? Have you watched the game? Honestly, if I would even say, regardless. That like he is a world class deflection master. He somehow gets it done. Sure, but. Whether it be Nicholas' <laughs> face or the butt. And speaking of big centers, I mean they've they've got Martin Hansel, and he's you know due for a healthy season. He only played seven games last year and got a a goal. So you know, multiply uh, that by it, eleven or so. And there's 11 goals for you. Yeah, I mean... Bring him back to the Coyotes and he can basically lead us in goal scoring. Looking at their lineup now, like the Sagan and Ben, like, they... they... Imagine that top line, You have, if that top line, number line number one, is is uh, Sagan, Ben, and Pavelski. What about Radulov? Yeah, you know, I was going to say, you got, like, Radulov in there. He's still putting up some. Points, then they don't have a second line. I don't know. Radulov, Hansel, and <laughs> Cogliano. Well, Hansel's not going to play. He'll play the first Cogliano. week. So then you go to second line of Cogliano and Como. I don't. I don't know. I'd say they split it up and they keep. Sagan and Ben together on one line, Pavelski and Radulov on another, and then they throw in like a Cogliano or a Como or even a Perry, yeah. or just kind of alternate that third player on the top two lines, depending on who's 
who's doing well. Because that would give them, the, I think, the depth they need. I still don't think they've got a, like a solid third and fourth line. Like, yeah. I don't know who their shutdown players I don't know. Um, it's a, would be. It's definitely a dark horse pick, and if it happens, all the power to you, Ralph. I'm, I'm picking Dallas, but... Uh, I mean, hey, I've... I, I've been right on some things before. I mean, um, I picked Boston in the cup finals, and that apparently that was a bold take. Very true. I do still owe you a beer for that. To go. <laughs> yeah, I need to make my way. Uh, I mean, it's preseason. Games haven't been played yet. There's no way to know like how well this is actually going to happen. Best laid plans of mice and men is preseason for everyone. But, yeah. All right, um, so final pick, and you don't need to go too much into depth because we already went into depth on all these teams. Um, but the final pick is our way too way too early pick. Oh, I thought you were going to say who wins the, wins the draft. Um... <laughs> yeah, what is the Stanley Cup again? I forget. Um, you can tell we're Coyotes fans if we're talking about the draft think... and not. Uh... I think Tampa Bay gets Stanley it. Stanley Cup. Um, I think last year, not even last year, um, last season was a wake-up call for them. And they're just so talented. Right. I don't see them taking a step back. I think they, they could only move forward and take what they learned from an early elimination that shocked the world and put something together and i think they'll that this is the start of the tampa bay dynasty i think that last year was that one year where you, you hear like ah, they got eliminated but then after that it was all tampa bay okay. i'm going with boston i think they're gonna could be tough for they're me. gonna take it this year. um i definitely do have tampa bay coming out of the east again like i say it's it's my bias in me but i always have san jose winning the west until they actually win the cup final the, the cup but i don't think i don't think san jose could beat tampa in a cup final so if they could make it the to the final i don't know if there's any team in the west that can beat them in a best of seven Unless it's like something like the Blues, where they just get beat by a system. Yeah. Who knows? Well, those are our preseason picks, our preseason predictions. Um, what we'll do on Inside the Glass is we'll follow this along and kind of like maybe a court, maybe a third of the way through the season, we'll say, "All right, where are we at?" And uh, those are always fun to kind of see our our uh, tracking and standings but uh once again thanks everybody for listening to inside the glass thank you to brandon and thank you to carl for joining this episode we will see you guys after the season has begun so enjoy the first week of hockey have a good week see ya